Welcome to Salisbury Christian Church's Sermon Podcast. The sermon you are about to listen to was delivered on April 22nd, 2012. This week, we take a look at James 5 and put prayer into practice. Be sure to check out our website at salisburychristianchurch.org for the latest news and events at Salisbury Christian Church. Always trying to one-up me. He usually does, yeah. Uh, Children's Church, yeah. That's right. I wouldn't want to go with her either. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, I am, uh, we are glad to be back here, uh, kind of in the regular routine after uh, Debbie and Tim were here last week. And if you missed it, uh, they, they did a pretty awesome job, actually an extremely awesome job of presenting their mission and what, they, uh, what God has given them to do here on this earth. And uh, it, it's pretty exciting just to see uh, some of the things that we support that they would come and visit. And uh, it wasn't a long walk, <laughs> but uh, we are glad to have them. And like we said during announcements, we have several other uh, folks coming to share their missions, uh, to share what they're doing for the kingdom of God. But I also want to make a point that it's not just those folks who we support that, that do kingdom work. It's each and every one of us that sit here today. Uh, just because we don't give you money to go out to different countries doesn't mean that you're not a servant of God, that you are not doing Christ's work. Uh, every single day when you speak a good word or when you comfort someone in the name of Christ, you are doing God's work. So to you, that should be an encouragement. I know it is to me. Um, I used to have this attitude that if I'm not going to uh, some faraway country uh, being a missionary, that I'm not doing the true work of God. Or if I'm not a pastor in a church that I'm not doing the true work of God. But that's not true at all. Uh, we all do God's work. We all are called to as believers. Um, let's have a word of prayer uh, before we begin. Heavenly Father, uh, again, we are so thankful for the freedoms that we have to join together here in this church building. We are thankful that we can come together and praise your name, share our stories of encouragement uh, with one another, uh, share our lives here uh, together. God, we ask again that you uh, open our hearts and minds, that, that we would allow your spirit to dwell within us, to know your word, to learn your word, and to share it with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different today. And uh, when preachers say that, you should be nervous. <laughs> Usually, you guys get to hear a sermon and you're challenged to go out and put into practice what you hear from the sermon or what you hear from 
uh, the church service. But today, you're going to get a chance to put those things into practice immediately. First of all, today we're going to be looking at James 5, starting in verse 13, and it's about prayer. Now, first of all, we, we need to understand what we usually think about prayer. And I asked the young adults this morning uh, what they do when they pray um, and when they pray. And usually the answer is, uh, if most of the time, it's an independent exercise. When you think of prayer, you usually see somebody at the bedside saying their prayer. Uh, we usually say a, a prayer before dinner. If you're praying in somebody, we say it should, you know, you should say nice things. You should, uh, it needs to sound nice when you're praying in front of people. Uh, usually we make prayer about us. But James gives us some extended ideas of why and when we should pray. Now, James is sort of a, I wouldn't say obscure book, but usually we don't turn straight to James to get something out of it. Uh, just like Jude, it's a very short book, and you could probably sit down and read it in one turn. But James is packed full of practical insights. Uh, in the rest of James, we need to set up our context here. James has just finished discussing about how we are not to misuse our riches, if we have riches, and how we are supposed to act until Christ returns. So it wasn't necessarily that James was focusing on the here and now. It was uh, that he was focusing on the here and now with the expectation that Christ was coming back. And he is. Christ will return for his followers. He tells us in verses 7 through 12 that we are to be patient until the Lord returns. We are not to complain about one another. We are um, supposed to remember and learn from those who have endured hardships. And we are to let our yeses be yes and our no's be no's. Here James then starts to speak about prayer. In verses 13 uh, through 20, he speaks at length about what he calls the prayer of faith, or a prayer offered in faith. Today, we're going to read James's words and put them into practice right here. I'm going to ask you to pray a couple times this morning. Um, I'm going to ask you to pray uh, for the things that we speak that James speaks about here. Now you have the choice of, of what you want to do. You can sit and, and pray like you normally do here in the church. You can get up and you can pray with someone else. You can pray sitting down. You can pray standing up. You can pray however you like. But I just ask that you pray as we go through this message today. Uh, oftentimes, Christianity is about getting outside your comfort zone. <laughs> and I'm not going to ask you to go way outside your comfort zone today, but what more of an appropriate place to pray than here with those of us who are believers? Take a look at verse 13. James asks by beginning with a series of questions. What's he say? Is any one of you in trouble? He should what? Pray. Uh, in the uh, New American Standard Bible, it says, Is any one of you suffering? Really, that Greek word could mean trouble or suffering or you're uh, finding suffering. 
And in the original Greek, it's not he should pray. What It just says, basically, anyone here suffering? Anyone here troubled? Pray. It's a command. Pray. It's not he should pray. No, he says pray. So right now, we're going to try it. The first moment of prayer. Uh, he doesn't say first to, you know, weasel your way out of the trouble that you've gotten yourself in or try to fix it yourself. He just simply says, pray. So for our first moment of prayer, I want you to pray about suffering. Maybe you yourself are suffering or in trouble at this moment, or you know of somebody who is suffering or in trouble at this moment. And we're going to take about three minutes to pray for those who are suffering, for those who are uh, in trouble. Maybe, like I said, it is yourself. Um, so we're going to give it a try. This may be a little bit uncomfortable for some people, but we're going to do what James says. Pray. We would like to encourage anyone listening to please pause the message and join us in a moment of active prayer. We would ask that you lift up in prayer those who are suffering in your own lives and those suffering around the world. If it is an immediate need, we would encourage you to go to our website and fill out our prayer request form at the right side of the page. There's a story of a praying mantis that was sitting on a limb. And uh, he was sitting there just doing his thing. Yeah. And uh, there was a fly that came walking along and he said, what are you doing? The praying mantis said, I'm praying. And that fly looked at the praying mantis and he said, oh, don't be ridiculous. You know that insects don't pray. And at that, the praying mantis grabbed the fly and started to devour him. And the fly said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, there's no atheist in a foxhole principle. We seem to only pray when uh, we are in trouble or when we are suffering. And here, I think that's why James starts with this. Is anybody in trouble? Pray. But then look at the next statement. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Now, this has a little bit of a different meaning than what uh, we would normally think. It has an extended meaning, uh, sing songs of praise. They would have actually sang hymns like we sing hymns, but they would also have taken out their psalm books. They probably didn't have books like we do, but taken out the psalms and read some psalms and things like that and lifted praise to God. So chances are, if you're not in trouble or if you're not suffering, you're probably happy. So here James covers everything. If you're sad, if you're suffering, pray. If you're happy, and you know it, clap your hands. No, if you're happy, pray. So this morning, I, I want some of us, all of you, I know, have a praise on your mind. You have to have a praise. At least they should be uh, thankful about one thing. But we're going to share a couple of those this morning. Does anybody have any praises? At this point, we would like to encourage anyone listening to this podcast to please take a moment and remember the blessings that God has so richly given us. We ask that as you remember these things, you lift your heart in praise to God. New life, birthdays, those are all good things. All things that we can praise God for. And you know, sometimes it is tough when you're in the midst of suffering, when you're in the midst of trouble, it's hard to... Uh, bring forth your praises to God. Um, 
but I think that we all need to remember, as James says, if you're in trouble, pray. If you're unhappy, sing songs of praise. It's not that you're just singing because you're singing. You're singing songs of praise to God. The songs of praise are, it's prayer. That is prayer, singing songs of praise. Uh, down in uh, verse 14, what does he ask? Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. <laughs> you either fit in one or all of these categories. You're either in trouble and suffering, you're either happy or you're sick, or you're suffering because you're sick. All of these things should fit uh, some of us here. Now it says here that we should call the elders to pray over the person who is sick and anoint with oil the name in the name of the Lord. Here we really need to understand the original intent of some of these words that are in this passage. First, we need to understand what it means when it says sick. Now we're not just talking about the, the sniffles. In the Greek, it really should be translated unable or incapacitated. Like I said, it's not the cold. Even though we can pray for those folks who are having the sniffles or things like that, this is really about mobilizing the troops when somebody is bedridden or when somebody is unable to come and meet with us. That person is to call upon the elders and have them anoint them with oil. Now, we usually get this idea of anointing with oil as a spiritual type of ceremony. And it is. It is a spiritual type of ceremony where you anoint uh, the head with oil. It's a significance, a symbol of pouring out the Holy Spirit for comfort. But that's not the only reason oil was used way back when. It was used for a medicinal purpose. It was used to soothe people who were sick. So really what it's saying here is that, yes, you are supposed to, the elders are supposed to take care of the spiritual needs of the people who are sick, but they're also to make sure that they get to the doctor, that they're also supposed to be healed, that you're supposed to get them to the doctor to be taken care of their physical needs. Then in verse 15, it says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Now that last part, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. We don't really have a problem with that. that that's pretty easy to see that God will forgive our sins. But it's the first part we may have a little bit of trouble seeing. It says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. You see, that word well is not necessarily that it's healed. It's not a uh, medical term, they will be made well. They will be restored, restored in faith, restored in spirit. But let's not be mistaken. Prayer can heal in a medical sense. It can heal. Although when we pray, a prayer offered in faith, it is not necessarily a guarantee. Here's, here's the problem. We think that faith is something that comes from our end, that we can just have more faith because we want more faith. So we assume that if someone just has enough faith, that they can be healed. 
And if they aren't healed, then it's the person's fault because they don't have enough faith. And we hear it oftentimes Christian leaders saying, well, you're not well because you just don't have enough faith. You need more faith to make yourself better, to get yourself out of this trouble. Nothing can be farther from the truth. We're looking at it from the wrong side of things. We have to go back to Ephesians 2.8 where it says uh, that faith is a gift from God. So it's not our amount of faith that is healing us. It is of God's choosing. John Blanchard uh, put it this way. He said, the prayer offered in faith is circular in shape. It begins and ends in heaven, the sovereign will of God. Like I said, we also need to remember that if we do not believe that we can be healed by prayer, then chances are you won't. You won't be healed. But there are often times, and, and I think it's safe to say there's at least one case in here where someone has been prayed for and their illness has been healed. And this is precisely why we ask you, the church leaders ask you to call upon us when you are sick. If you are in bed and you can't make it to church, that's why we have, we have started the communion service. Because we not just want to visit with you because we missed you at church, but we have been charged to do so. We have been told, go to these sick people, anoint them. Now, we're probably not going to bring a little bottle of oil with us, <laughs> unless you want that. We can do that. But we are there to pray over you, to help you heal both physically and spiritually. Now let's take a look at verse 16. Out of all of these things, this is probably the hardest. Therefore, now remember I said, when there's a therefore, you need to know what it's there for. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Confess your sins to each other. I want you to look around the room. How many of you would be comfortable sharing your sins with those in this room? <laughs> We giggle, but, but honestly, when was the last time that you confessed a sin, especially one that you committed against someone else? I think that the Roman Catholic Church is at least headed in the right direction of having individuals confess their sins to a priest. But then again, this scripture, this passage doesn't say confess your sins to a priest or a pastor or to your diary or confess your sins to your dog. It says confess, confess your sins to a each other. Confess your sins to the one you sinned against. We must be willing to confess, not just share some bad things about us, but really confess and clean out our guilt. Like when I had to confess that I broke the lily to Pam. I didn't want to. I didn't know what to expect. She may have been mad. I don't know what she was thinking. But I had to confess it. I, I felt bad that I did that, so I had to confess because Christ calls us to confess, even the smallest thing. But on the other side of it, if you're being confessed to, it is your duty not to say, 
oh, well, that's a bad thing. You need to go do this, 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 and this. You're to listen. And two, what does James say? Pray. I know in this culture, I don't know necessarily if it's an agrarian culture, if it's a Midwestern thing or a Central Illinois thing, but we as men are uh, told to keep our feelings inside, to keep it way down inside. If you got a problem, don't talk about it. Now, women, on the other hand, I'm making a huge generalization here. You like to share your feelings, right? Sometimes. But as men, we are told to stuff it down inside, not worry about it. Don't bring it out and bother everybody else with your problems. The only thing I can equate it to is acid reflux. <laughs> I have acid reflux. And uh, if I don't take my medication, just this huge, it's like a ball of fire, like heartburn, okay? And whenever I start to feel that, I swallow harder and harder to try to get it pushed back down so I don't feel it. it but the more I swallow, the more I try to force it back down, the worse and worse it gets until finally, eventually, if I quit taking my medication, it's going to eat through my esophagus. That's, that's what will happen. So to relieve it and to get rid of it, I take my medication. I have no problems with it, unless I eat something spicy. But I have no problems with it because I take my medicine regularly like I was told to. You see... The sins that James talked about, the sins that we have in our lives, we can't keep pushing them back down. Eventually, they will burn a hole right through us. We have to take our medicine on a regular basis. What is the medicine? God has prescribed a regular dose of prayer. Regular confession. Regular confession. Confession itself is prayer. Just like praises, it's prayer. It's an act of asking others and God to forgive us. Now look at the last part of 16. We'll be finished. It says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And the New American Standard Version, it switches a couple of the adjectives around. It says, The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Have you ever thought about your prayers accomplishing something? Your prayers can uh, cause someone to be healed. They can cause someone to come to Christ. Your prayers can bring praise to God. All of those things accomplish much. But what does it say? The prayers of a righteous man. Unless it's not man as in the male sense, but man as a whole. Are you righteous? Prayer of a righteous man? Are you righteous? The only way that we can be righteous, we have learned and we know is by taking on Christ's righteousness ourselves, by accepting Christ, he gives us his righteousness so that we can have effective prayer. James gives us a model for faithful prayer back down uh, in 17 and 18, talking about Elijah. He said that he prayed earnestly. He was so adamant about prayer that he was able to make rain stop for three years. And on his prayer, God allowed it to rain again after those three years. That's powerful, powerful prayer. Really, when I think James wanted to get across two things to his readers. First of all, whenever you sin, confess. To each other, to God, whatever you need to do, confess. And the second thing, whatever you are going through, whether it's happiness, whether it's sadness, suffering, 
whatever it may be, pray. Because a prayer offered in faith heals. A prayer offered in faith strengthens. It reassures, it comforts, it restores, and it works.